This week on Gym Ops Radio, Dave and Brian discuss five things they learned from COVID that they'll be keeping around after the pandemic is over. From new service opportunities to readjusting class dynamics, the pandemic forced some tough decisions that ended up paving the way for positive changes for years to come. Welcome to episode 51. This is Gym Ops Radio. Hey guys, welcome back to Gym Ops Radio. My name is Brian Pritz and I'm here virtually with Dave Thomas. Today we are on episode 51 and we're going to be talking about some COVID gifts that we received. Uh, Five things we're excited to keep long term after the pandemic. So obviously uh, this is an interesting time for gyms. Um, There are a lot of negative things that have gone on, but also there are some positive things that we've learned uh, along the way and uh, some things that we're going to continue to implement down the road after this pandemic is over. Yeah, I think it's very interesting to just see, like, first off, it it is nuts that it's been a year. Um, That is crazy to me. And there's been so many different stages of all this for gyms that um, gym owners are so, like, lost in the grind right now of trying to keep up with things and trying to plan. I feel like, you know, it started out as how can we just keep our members from long-term canceling? Like nobody knew that they were going to, nobody had any intentions to be like killing it while we were closed. Right. (laughs) It was just like, how can we get these people to one day come back to the gym? That was like the long-term plan. Yep. And then we started opening and then there started to be like several other phases that started. And before you know it, we're one year later. We've been operating. You know, we're currently in, still in our purple tier, which is um, we have to be outside. And there's still been remarkable stability through all that. So it's like speaks to the level of there's plenty of success to be had for gyms doing this the right way. That's like the overall theme of our entire podcast for this quote season, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's, it's crazy because uh, it's hard to do this episode because um, I feel we're in a very fortunate position that I really have no idea if other gym owners are in the same position as us, but our, our gym is doing really, really well. And we've made some smart moves to keep us uh, moving forward, to keep us progressing, to keep customers. Every episode that we've done has been about that. Um, but we're now in this point where it's like, okay, w- what is what are we doing for the future? Like we know that we know the gyms aren't closing or going out of business. That was the big fear to start. Uh, but we also know that they're not going back to the way that they were. So what is that like middle ground in assessing like everything gyms have done over the past year, keeping the good stuff without overreacting, but also making sure that we're taking things that we know are going to be like applicable and still desired moving forward. So yeah, exactly. it's definitely an interesting time. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it is pretty crazy that it's been a year. Um, it's pretty sad to me to see a lot of gyms go under. Um, you know, randomly came across an article just about the industry and just how many gyms have gone under, and I hate to see that. Um, but, you know, for those that have survived, we'll get into this more, but there is a massive opportunity to come out of this better than you were before. Um and some of these things that we're going to talk about today are things that we think will make us better um, and also hopefully attract more members, um, you know, that don't have another gym to go to because, uh, you know, th- they've closed. Yeah, and you're, you're absolutely right. It is very sad to see um, gyms close, you know, another uh, earlier in the week or last week, I forget, I saw on social media, a gym in our area announced it was closing, long time, CrossFit gym, and it... You never want to see it. Each gym is different and they have their own challenges, their own state of their own personal affairs that you would never speculate or you'd never want to project onto that. Um, but I do firmly I do firmly believe that success in remaining open in this is a choice. And I do believe that anybody can do it if they are focused on the right things, they're willing to make sacrifices, they're willing to, you know, make their job hard for a while. And, uh, you know, I think of the gyms that are closing, some of them, it's, it's self-inflicted. It's just, uh, 
I don't have the stomach for this moving forward. Um, some it's, they've straight run out of money. And while each one is very sad in its own right, you know, the message that I personally believe and want to continue to relay to gym owners is you, you choose your own success and you choose, you choose whether or not you're going to go down by this or you're going to be successful moving forward. And, you know, I, I, we had no idea what the gym was going to look like speaking for the gym that we own. Um, as I mentioned, we've been through several phases of it. Some have been better than the others, but it's, it's insane. We are in February of 2021. We're one year into the pandemic and, um, we have higher profit margins than we've ever had as a business in 10 years. And so it's, it comes with an extraordinary amount of work. You know, you and I are working a ton to keep that up and to make these changes and put them into place. But what that has told us is the very real demand that people are willing to go to the gym if the practices and if the gym scenario is meeting the expectation for what they want out of a gym. And I think that's just such an important takeaway. Like if you ask me where we would be a year later after this, and I would be telling you that we're at our highest profit margins that we've ever had, I would have like called absolute bullshit on that. Yeah, exactly. And I remember, I still remember that day that we found out that we had to close. We were talking about term and length that we would likely be closed. And, you know, we had, we had been told that it was going to be a six week shutdown. Um, and we were like <laughs> blown away that we could be shut down for six months or six weeks. And that was like, you know, that was one of those moments that I felt helpless in the gym for the first time. I was like, we literally cannot do like anything that we want to do. Um, and that's the beauty about owning your own business and your own gym is you can make changes and, uh, adapt to the marketplace and do all this stuff that it's like, we have control over this. Um, and that was the first time I remember feeling totally helpless. Like we just have to shut down and there's nothing that we can do. It's up to, you know, the membership base to, to rally and, and continue to support us. And then, um, obviously up to us to then come up with creative ways to keep the membership base engaged when we can't be open. Um, so point being is it's crazy that that was a year ago. And if you were to tell me like in one year, we, we would have been like open and closed, open and closed multiple times, training on the sidewalk, uh, <laughs> doing all these things that we've had to do. I, I would have called bullshit on it. Yeah. It's, I'm not in like a remit a mental state to be able to analyze that because we're just day to day right now and we're still just grinding away. Um, but it's kind of what it's kind of what spurred the you know the the talking points and the idea for this episode is it was like holy hell all the things you just mentioned yet we're still coming out of this in a better state than our business has ever been and that's just like that's unbelievable to me and it is because coronavirus just it it forced this like great audit of your business of just like you didn't have any room you didn't have any room to make a decision on like what you want to do. Mm -hmm. It was just like, you got to do this or you're going to go out of business. Right. So it was like, there was no room for just like debating the nuance of something. It was like, this is the way forward. We have to do it. So we're going to do it. Yep. And the trickle down effect of that, having an improvement on your business and just like accepting the fact that this is how it is going all in on that. And then making that the best experience you can possibly make in your market. You know, I think the gyms that have done that are the gyms that are um, not just surviving, but are, are doing really well right now. Yeah, and we've had a little bit of a crutch at the same time because customers' expectations are different. You know, they're, they're willing to train on the sidewalk and they're just excited to be at a gym and being able to work out because people have been crammed at home for so long that, um, you know, it just changes their perception of, what makes them happy and, and just going to a place in a group atmosphere where they can work out is, um, something that they're happy about despite some, you know, some underwhelming things that they have to do there. Yeah, exactly. And when you look around at like, you know, people can go do that at a ton of different places. So why are they doing it at one place versus the next place? And, you know, I think it's easy to sit back and say like, Oh, you know, people just want to go to a gym. So it like, doesn't matter about the experience or, 
you know, you can, you can get away with certain things. You know, I, 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 as we've seen in our membership, like there are still people who are still very scared of the virus. Mm -hmm. And as we continue to hear all the time, it's like people want to come to performance 360 just because of the overall, the overall execution of how everything has been throughout this time. Yeah. And, um, you know, th that's that's kind of what it drove the episode for today of like, all right, what, what has created that success relative to the marketplace? Um, what have we done, whether through chance, luck, or decision-making that has netted out this drastic change in the numbers and in the improvements? And what, what can we take from that as like, a, okay, even though we're forced to do this right now, um, what can we voluntarily take from that and continue to make a part of our process moving forward? Because We've just seen that that is what people prefer to do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't think it's going to be anything that's uh, – it's certainly not going to be anything that's, like, ground groundbreaking or revolutionary or anything that we've, like, uh, invented or anything like that. Um, I think it's going to be pretty much the things that every gym owner listening can, can relate to and, and aspects of their gym that – um, they've had to do over these past few months, they've had to change, but I think just zooming out and like acknowledging, uh, the role that they play and also, um, you know, taking a look at how that does impact your finances, how that does impact your, your profitability and, and really making the case beyond just like, oh, we think that this works, like really making the financial case for like, this is why this works and, and here's why we're keeping it. Yeah. Um, so cool. So I know we got, uh, I think we have five points today, five points. Um, so yeah, let's just kind of get, get right into them. I, I know you're kicking off the first one here. Yeah. The first thing, um, that we're continuing, uh, to keep after the pandemic is smaller class sizes. So, uh, we used to have a cap of 25 people per class, um, with little management of that 25 number. Um, and that, <laughs> means that if 27 people showed up or at times 30 people showed up, you know, we'd do whatever we could to get them in. Um, if it was a day that kind of allowed a few extra bodies in there based on the workout, coach wouldn't turn them away and, you know, we'd have 30 people in a class. And looking I ran some of those <laughs> I know. when we were opening Bay Park. Yeah. And it was it, just, just madness. Fucking zoo. And it's like you look back at that and, you know, it's just like, I have no idea how we did that, and I can't believe that people continue to come back for stuff like that. Um, but point being is that that class size is now much smaller, um, anywhere from 13 to 17 per class, and it is a very strict cap. Um, we don't have the ability to add extra bodies because we're working in 10 by 10 zones, uh, and there is physically no more space to fit more people. Um, so those smaller class sizes have done a couple great things that we've learned. Um, the main thing is driving that relationship building with, uh, with members. So, um, you know, last episode we talked about pricing and kind of being a volume or service model. Um, you know, we've always been a little bit higher on the volume side. And so this, uh, smaller class sizes has really driven us down to the point where we can start building more relationships in those classes. Um, the coach can give one, more one-on-one -on -one time, give people a little bit more help with their individual needs. Um, and it also does some other things like creates less stress um, and a more fulfilling experience for the coaches. You know, if you can imagine trying to, um, you know, get 30 people to follow whatever your format and layout is, like that's a nightmare. And so just cutting that, you know, round number, let's just say we cut that in half, like that is so much easier and less stressful for that coach to manage. And, you know, it's no longer just trying to figure out where the horses go. Um, it's more coaching. It's more relationship building. It's more personalized experience. Yeah. All very good points. And it's like, you know, we talked about how our class cap was 25 before, and there's a lot of data in the industry right now that suggests that the gyms that are doing the best through all this are the gyms with smaller class sizes. And that's not very surprising because of all the reasons that you just mentioned. And it's like uh, taking that a step further in our numbers, you know, we were going through a, a pretty sharp decline um, through the end of 2019 and the beginning of 2020. Uh, those were our worst months and worst months as a gym um, in, I believe, five years as far as the metrics go. And 
I don't believe, you know, I'm not sure that we ever would have been able to fix that in the model that we used to run with how many people were in a class mm -hmm. and how much just distraction there was. So in a way, I'm very grateful that this has forced us down into these smaller class sizes. You know, when you, when you ask coaches, when you ask coaches to do, let's say they have a checklist of like five things that are super important. Like for us, we have our, our kind of three brand promises uh, that we just refer to uh, broadly as names, why, and tone. So like uh, always address people by name in class, always communicate why first, and making sure your tone is upbeat and galvanizing and that it's not polarizing. And it's really easy to focus on those when you're dealing with 12 to 14 people in a class. It's easy to keep those at the forefront because you're not, you know, you're not organizing the class, spending 10 minutes on that. You're not like looking out for safety and all of a sudden you can't coach. So it just really removes all those distractions from it and allows you to focus on that delivery of the quote brand promise. And with a simple list to be able to focus on for coaches, it's just, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with coaches in the gym over the past six months where they just like absolutely appreciate the ability to um, have just a better flow for creating relationships. And it's not just like so much of a, of a clusterfuck for yeah. lack of a better word. Um, and the outcome of that is just like, you know, the, the, the those relationships, anybody owning, owning a gym doesn't need to be told how important those are. Um, and so it just, we, we know that that's what drives retention and, um, yeah, it's just, it's just been a much better experience on that end of things. So, you know, we obviously don't know what the class sizes are ultimately going to be. Um, there's still a lot to unfold with COVID and with regulations. And, um, it would be premature to say like, you know, make your final decision as a gym right now. But, you know, broadly speaking from a macro perspective, I, you know, I can't recommend strongly enough to people that, uh, less is better than more when it comes to people in the gym right now and just figuring out a model that works to support that rather than um, trying to chase like as many people as possible, uh, figuring out that, that fine line between getting enough people in um, to be able to serve your membership but also being able to make sure that uh, it's an experience that people want to come back to. And you've mentioned a few things about the financial status right now and you know there's definitely a financial opportunity in these smaller class sizes and that's the ability to you know increase the price opportunity because we're able to offer a better service you know if we're able to create more relationships give them more individual help um, you know that increases the value of a class and we can start to experiment more with increasing the price and, and generating more revenue per member yeah exactly good point um Okay, so point number two, and it kind of just plays into a little bit of what we were talking about. Is just it, it, it's it, it's an opportunity for your coaches to really refine their skills. So, you know, <laughs> the pandemic has been one great exercise of like, um, let's say you were doing like a coach's lab, and you're like, all right, so run an awesome class on the sidewalk. Show me like your coaching <laughs> skills. It's like it's been one big version of like, if you were to create an insane scenario for your staff to have, have to lead a class, like they've actually had to do this over the last eight months. <laughs> so it just nets out like, um, it nets out the coaches that are just b better coaches, you know, without your ability to, you know, be very hands-on with folks face-to-face -face, close quarters. Um, it, it's forced coaches to really improve their communication skills. And I see that just across the board of like class preps and, um, you know, in, in class, when you're coaching someone from six feet away, you have to, you have to communicate in a way that you otherwise maybe could get away with being a bit poor when you're able to, to touch people and use tactile cueing. Yep. But with tactile cueing out the window, it's basically all visual and verbal and just the, the leaps and bounds that some of our coaches have made. Like I, I, it still takes me like, it takes me back on that when I'm just like, wow, this person is like such a stronger communicator than they were you know, six, seven, eight months ago. And I think that that need to, to coach in that manner is, is definitely uh, beneficial to the continued growth of coaches. 
Um, it's also just much easier to, to lead 14 versus 25, like you just said, and that that improved, you know, w- when a coach who, who might be struggling with confidence or leadership, uh, when they're able to to have to lead less people and they see that it's mapped out and the flow is better, they're able to develop those leadership skills in such a better way. And it almost kind of just like uh, time warps the usual development of somebody's um, confidence with leadership because um, the, the process is more streamlined, so there's less distractions, and they become a better leader. And you, you just see that um, you see that affecting so many other aspects of their tenure as your employee. You know, whether it's like wanting to take on more because they ha- they have that confidence of being able to do so, um, presenting themselves better in class. It's it's just this this overall benefit where like this confidence in leading people just kind of begets more confidence in other aspects of their job for the gym. Um, and I also think that coaching on a sidewalk, like there, there's perhaps no greater, um, there's no greater self audit than to say like, do I want to do this? <laughs> like if I'm a coach, do I actually want to show up and continue to coach on sidewalks, uh, coach in alleyways and parking lots. And so, you know, it's really easy to have a super stoked staff top to bottom when everything is going great. And when everything kind of um, is going in the preference of that coach. But when you start to take away those conveniences and those comforts and you make it like really about the like nitty gritty, dirty coaching, um, you're just, it's natural that you're going to see some attrition from your coaching staff. And so I think what, what's happened is the coaching staff that we have that remains, and this is like absolutely not to say, this is not to mean anything uh, derogatory towards anyone that's not a coach here. It, it's more just a pro about the coaches that we, we have now is it's just, you know, you know, it's a staff that's like really, really bought in. And so, you know, it's folks that want to be here. They made it through this like incredible challenge over the last, um, over the last year with it. And so knowing that you have these coaches that are there and that want to be there all of a sudden, now, you know, you can invest financial, uh, you can you can invest financially into them. You can really like sink a lot of time into energy into this team and really develop them rather than just kind of like having to spread it across perhaps a lot of people. Um, it really whittles down that group into folks that um, can really advance your, your service offering because they're so focused on it. And I think that carries over to the membership base too. I mean, if coaches are more bought in, if they're, um, you know, obviously showing that they want to be there and that confidence is building then that's going to carry over into the members that are in their classes and create better experiences for them and make them happy and excited to be there as well. So it's kind of a win-win. Yeah, definitely. And it's, uh, you know, it's like you want to keep the ball rolling with that. So one of the things that it's enabled to do, we mentioned how um, the gym is experiencing higher margins than we've ever had before is we like all these jobs we've wanted to create, we've turned around and immediately sunk all that into creating these jobs. So, you know, it's, it's a reinvestment into being able to make the gym even more sustainable because now what we've done is all, all of a sudden taken, you know, you, myself and Lenny, where we're each performing, um, you know, you, you and I are each performing the job of, of about three to five people. And we're able to actually take those jobs and give them to one person, which is what it's, what it's uh, much more appropriate um, because we have the money to do this that, that we've never had before. So it's, you know, that's why we put like refined coaching skills as a point that we want to keep because it's not about increasing these margins to then like take home as much as you possibly can. It's to even double down on your sustainability uh, and make it make it even better, make it even more improved. Um, and so being able to to continue to invest in our coaches in this type of way, uh, I think is ultimately going to be a really big home run just for our culture and the, the product to our, our customers. Yeah, absolutely. And I know one of the other things, and this is the next point, um, is a better service diversification. So kind of ongoing to investing that money and the time into developing those coaches more. Um, we've also been forced to really pivot and look at what opportunities we have or that we've always wanted to do and implement them very quickly because we don't have another choice in doing so. Yeah, that that's a, that's a very good point. And it, it's, you know, being able to, um, to reinvest, uh, to reinvest the, the profits at this time into jobs and into creating sustainability has it allowed us to focus on, you know, we had an episode on delegation. Uh, so going back to that, like on these big projects, these revenue generators, and I, I don't think there's any question that if we did not have this interruption into our service with COVID, 
that we probably never would have like really, really examined our ability to be able to diversify our service offering. Mm-hmm. Like we've talked on the show before about how we've always been a product of one and we've done a really good job with that service, our core group fitness class. Um, but at the cost of potentially some other revenue services that many gyms experience and, and do very well with, uh, nutrition, that's obviously a big one. I, I believe we've mentioned on the podcast before, uh, but nutrition was, has been a focus of ours in 2021, and we finally have a dedicated coach running that program so that it's year-round and not just like a couple of six-week chunks. Uh, we have the remote training that we've mentioned. That's kind of moving along with uh, our grassroots program. Uh, we, we've rolled out for the first time. This is amazing, but for the first time ever, uh, we're rolling out personal training. And it's obviously very only been a few weeks, but the interest has, has proven to be there. And then we're also testing just a few uh, like higher premium products uh, that we call our Class Plus membership. Um, that's kind of like where you show up, you still come to the group classes, but you get a dedicated assigned coach that helps you um, outside of the gym with either like accountability or special needs or things that just require a little bit more attention than you could than you could give in a group class. So. Like we're totally brand new to all of these. We're still in our novice phase, um, but these are already contributing about seven thousand dollars a month to our revenue, and that that's been like, you know, to to answer the question of like why are we experiencing such high margins right now? Um, you you can look directly at our service diversification and just adding to that bottom line because all those services, obviously you're paying out coaches to run them, but the overhead's already taken care of. So it's essentially just all right directly to the bottom line. Um, And that's just huge, you know, it's huge. So if we can, you know, if you project out $7,000 a month with that stuff and and doing like a pretty average job of it because we're so new at it, bump that up to say it gets to be 10,000 a month once we get a little bit better. And then all of a sudden you're talking about like a, a very, very real difference to, to profit margins and, and, and uh, employee salaries and different positions that you can create within the company. Um, and that's all, that, that's all because of COVID, you know, we never would have launched these in the way that we're launching them. If, if we didn't have to, and we didn't have to take a look at ways that we can get more revenue from the facility. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's that, because they're additional revenue streams, they don't carry the same operating costs or fixed costs that, you know, other things might, you know, for ex- example, we don't have to pay rent on another building. Um, mm-hmm. We don't have to pay all these other expenses that would launch a new location for new, for another revenue stream. It's like, these are added on to our current expenses. So that creates a higher profit margin for this, these different revenue streams, which like you said, has a massive difference. Um, and it also does another thing too. It allows the coaches to continue to develop their roles here in the yep. sense of we're giving them ownership of a certain revenue stream or a certain product that then they can feel more bought into the company as a whole. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And you know, I think you brought up a point on an earlier episode of coaches obviously want to make as as much money as they can in their chosen profession, but so much more of job happiness is that autonomy and that control over something and having an input and and being heard and how a process is run. And uh, we've talked before about how like we both can't stand when the gym feels like it's just you and I, Mm -hmm. and then our team of 15 coaches and, and it's just something feels off with that. You know, we can do that for as long as we would need to do that, but nobody would say that that's the best setup for our long-term, long-term success. Um, so yeah, like each of these, each of these categories that we mentioned, they each have a dedicated manager. Um, and that manager does either get paid a higher rate to run it or they get a revenue, a revenue share from it. Um, so yeah, that, that's a really good point that it also, um, in, you know, it's, it's rising tides, rising tides raises all ships. And so it's like with the coaches involved with that profitability going up, that goes directly to the coaches as well. And everybody's, everybody gets more fulfilled than being an employee at the gym. It's fun collaborating with other people too, that you normally might not, like, I don't have to talk to you all the time as the only (laughs) other person I'm collaborating with. I know it's, um, yeah, I just like, that's, that's one of the reasons that excites me so much about, um, about where we're going in 2021 and, you know, not to get off on a tangent with that, but, um, it, it is, it is to the point point of the service diversifications because it has created all these people that we would put in quote like a leadership position you know our our group meetings go from you me and Lenny to like all of a sudden there's six people in there and that's just like to be able to open that up 
um, and get like real, real input on things that they're running that we have absolutely no involvement in is just, uh, it's going to be invaluable. And I, without diversifying our services and not just diversifying, but like really making a real effort to growing them, you know, not just having them on the site and being like, we say that we offer these to look better, but like really, really trying to own them. Um, I'm just, I'm really excited to see where those go, um, as a gym, of course, but also for the people running them. Yeah, me too. All right, so we've been through three points, uh, keeping a smaller class size for an improved service offering, um, continuing to own the refinement of coaching skills, and uh, better service diversification, so new products and people running them. Uh, I know point four, uh, smaller membership, we have smaller in quotes because that's a bit relative. Um, but yeah, talk a little, little bit about that and the benefits that we can perceive from it. Yeah, a smaller membership base uh, is one that I am very excited about. Um, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do is a little bit of trimming the fat, if you will. Um, so because we were such a high volume focused model uh, previously, uh, you know, we had a lot of people that may not have been the best fit for the gym. Um, and we, you know, we, we never really had many parameters that would uh, allow those people to get out of the way quickly and you know they'd be on board um we had lower prices so they would get great value out of the training which is great but they weren't great fits and so if you i would imagine most gyms are kind of in the same boat where you know most of the issues that are caused within the gym are from a small handful of people you know maybe mm -hmm. 10 20 percent of your clients they just cause the most issues whether it's complaints, whether it's negative attitudes, whether, you know, whatever it is, it's like they are the ones that always cause the problem. And so um, by kind of maneuvering around and, you know, increasing the price a bit, um, you know, focusing on different service offerings, um, all these things that we've been implementing, um, what we're trying to do is not necessarily grow in total numbers, um, but continue to increase that profit profitability while decreasing the total members that we have at the gyms. Um, and so I'm really excited about this as, as somebody that deals with most of the issues. Um, and so All. what's that? All. <laughs> All, yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is really exciting for me because I'm, I'm hoping my job becomes less stressful, um, less reactionary. So unfortunately, you know, as an owner in the gym, I should be more on the business development side, but a lot of times I get stuck on the reactionary side um, because I'm constantly putting out fires or dealing with issues or, you know, whatever comes up. Um, and so right now we're really trying to find that optimal number of member to price ratio so that we can um, continue to be profitable and successful while not having as many of the headaches um, as we did before. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And just to allude on like the you know, the, you said 80% of your, uh, or most of your issues come from a few amount of people. It's like the old adage of 80-20 rule. Like you get 80% of blank from 20% of blank. And that's like a broadly applied, relatively proven type of statistics, type of statistic really applied to anything. And so it's like, you know, how can we shrink the 20% that caused most of like the quote issues without changing the nature of how the gym looks? So it's like, you know, by you, you mentioned we're kind of looking at that op optimal number of member to price ratio. Like, how can we get that price point so that it's just right, so that it helps us kind of uh, splinter out the people who are here for perhaps the wrong reasons and really don't value what it is that we do um, to remove those headaches, like you mentioned. And, you know, we don't want to remove the excellent nature of like the customer service that you've put into place here. Um, but like you said, also get you into a position to where you can focus more on development and not just, um, as you put it, like a reactionary position. And so I think that, I think that can be broadly applied to, to pretty much any gym, you know, most, I would imagine they have an owner, just like a GM that does exactly what you do for performance 360. And so it's like, I think there's anybody can understand the value in, if you can produce the same amount of revenue with less people, everybody is obviously going to take that option. If you can produce the same amount of revenue, or excuse me, slightly less revenue with slightly less people, I, I think some people like w would potentially examine that given yeah. the state of their business. 
Um, and then obviously the goal is more revenue with less people. And that's kind of what like we're, we're trying to examine right now. Um, but you know, I, I don't definitely don't want to project your opinion. You can speak to this, but I would imagine that the, um, the hardest it is to do your job is when you have the most amount of people that you have to attend to. Yeah. I mean, I would absolutely say that every kind of step in our evolution that has gained more members, um, you know, my job has slowly become more time consuming, more reactionary and more difficult overall. Um, you know, every time we add a new location, we obviously grow in membership numbers. Um, every time that we have, a you know, spike in joins, you know, for example, uh, New Year's rushes and stuff like that. It's like, I, there's always a direct correlation between spikes in people and number of issues. So, you know, it would be amazing. You know, we always talk about like January is such a nightmare um, because we do get such a big rush and it's like, that's great, but it ends up deteriorating the experience for a lot of other people because a lot of those people, when you get those big rushes, are just not good fits. Um, and so they, like I said, they kind of hurt the class vibe. Uh, they take a lot of resources from both uh, owners, management, coaches, staff, everybody, um, and ultimately is not a net positive. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, in isolating it with just the actual membership that you have, it's we, we did a whole episode on pricing model um, on episode 15. We talked about like, you know, kind of that sweet spot for where you want to be. But I, I think absolutely, absolutely any gym, um, whether it's yearly, whether it's every few years, whether it's quarterly, whatever your own frequency is, like really, really auditing, like what is the actual best model? Like, is this working? Is this working to the fullest extent that we can have it work? Or is this something that, like, perhaps we just, we think it is because we don't really know any better? And, you know, you might find that over the course of time, slowly raising the prices and slowly having a little bit less people is actually going to be a better business. And so it's, you know, we talked about you never want to, like, jump you never want to completely change your model from like being super low priced to all of a sudden you're this like premium gym. Um, but I, I personally believe that you should always be examining how can you produce the most amount of revenue with the fewest amount of people. And that's relative to scale, regardless of how big your gym is, that should be something that's always top of mind. Otherwise you're just going to be chasing as many people as possible for as long as possible. And that's just exhausting. And I think COVID has really forced us to, really see the benefit. You know, we talked about point one smaller class sizes, but that's kind of front end. You know, on the back end, it's kind of forced us to examine what is that ideal amount of people to manage on the back end because we know it does require that full-time job. And so if that full-time job who manages all those people on the back end, if, if that person can do a little bit less of that and a little bit more on other projects, then the business will naturally obviously just improve. Yeah, and you know, this kind of ties into everything. It's like, you know, because we're able to create these other jobs and these roles for people, um, you know, a lot of that, and we'll just put it under a blanket customer service, if you will, is now being split up among multiple people. So instead of me handling everything, it's like Lenny is now taking uh, total ownership over anybody that enters our, you know, we'll call it a lead funnel, even though we hate that. Everybody that enters our lead funnel into a trial class, and then if they join, they're handed off to somebody else who is going to be the new member liaison and, and basically be the new member coach for mm -hmm. the life cycle of that member. Um, and then I'll likely handle some of the, the snickle fritz that, um, <laughs> you know, that don't make it in one of those two buckets um, for the time being. But, um, you know, it's allowing them to get to take total ownership of those two areas and allow me a little bit um, relief from that so that I can focus more on uh, the back end and profitability and, and stuff with you. Yeah, awesome. Um, okay, so we've been through four points so far. Smaller class sizes, uh, refined coaching skills, better service diversification, and smaller, more manageable membership for the back end. So fifth and final point, uh, just kind of taking a look at a more creative usage of space and seeing a gym through a lens that like you never saw before. So uh, talk a little bit about that. 
uh, before I get there, what was the your eighty twenty percent rule? Are you gonna make me repeat it? Because it's, it's probably gonna be wrong because it's a little <laughs> off the cuff. But it's uh, yeah, it's the saying is like you you get eighty percent of a result or something from twenty percent of an input or some sort of demographic. Okay, I was just uh... so it's like you make eighty percent of your money through twenty percent of your work like what is that 20 percent of like the high performing work yeah that's what gotcha. you want to focus on um for some reason i couldn't take my mind off um 80 <laughs> of my burritos come from chipotle and how i could make that fit into that that uh theory or saying 80 percent of your burritos chipotle burritos cause 20 percent of your weight gain uh dave i'm down nine pounds from <laughs> the start of covid last year are you really? I am. Yeah. Yeah. So there goes that theory. Yeah. Anyway. You are looking fit and trim these days, I must <laughs> say. It makes it sound like you're a fat bastard, which you're absolutely not. But it's more of an inside joke that you have limited time to go to the gym with all your work responsibilities. Yes, yes. Anyway, um, point number five, creative usage of space, like you mentioned. Um, this to me is super exciting because, you know, I remember when we first moved outside, uh, you know, we moved outside in Bay Park that had like a cracked, a cracked alley, um, cracked parking lot, if you will. Um, terrible lighting, just not a great space. In Ocean Beach, we had literally people working out on a public sidewalk uh, in a town where people hate fitness. Um, and I say people as in people that don't train at the gym and just the general population that walk by and yell, yell things at people working out outside. Um, and so it really makes you change your perspective on not only what's possible, um, but also what is, what can still be effective and what people are still willing to do and willing to get excited about. Um, you know, when we moved outside, I just was terrified that people were going to be over this so quickly. Um, and I was just like sitting here, like waiting on people to put their membership on hold until this was all over. And like, yes, we did have some people that went on hold because of it, but it was so much smaller than what I thought it was going to be. Um, and so taking that and looking at kind of the possibility of what we can do now with the space that we have, um, it opens up more revenue streams potentially um you know this isn't stuff something that we've gotten um involved in yet but you start to look at your space in a different light and say wow mm -hmm. we have um some extra space outside we have uh more than enough space inside what else can we do to utilize that space that we previously thought was um just kind of unusable if you will definitely yeah it's like you mentioned the outdoor space like we, at one point we got a quote for a contractor to come out and pour new cement in the back lot at Bay Park because we're like, we can use this as, you know, this is this is 1,400 square feet of usable space. Like we ran classes with 15 people in there outdoors for, for three or four months exclusively. Yeah. And it's like, man, at no point when we were looking at the leases for these businesses did we ever think like we need to have a contingency in case we can't operate indoors. <laughs> like all three in their own way. I suppose Bay Park is the best one, yep. but all three I would rate as like quite terrible for outdoor experience. Yeah, and you know I, I see on Instagram some gyms with like huge flat parking lots, and I'm like, oh my god, you lucky bastards! <laughs> it's like we're operating on 800 to 1500 square feet. It's either crooked or it has homeless people everywhere. Uh, cars are driving by, pedestrians, you name it. Like you just mentioned, and so it's like knowing that and that people will still come to the gym. You know, we've just like, we've kind of stressed our layout for so long. And I think like, I think the answer to it is ultimately that if you're providing like a really good personal experience, good coaching, good environment, good community, things that every gym has control over, then I don't think you quite need to stress the layout of the gym quite as much, you know, you obviously want to be factoring in it and, and taking into consideration all the COVID concerns and the social distancing. And that, 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 that should go without saying at this point. Um, but just like, you know, there's ways to use a space that I don't think any gym previously thought possible. And as we kind of move into the next stage of COVID where it's like, 
I, I don't know if it's peaking. I don't know if it's coming down. I have no idea. But it's like we are moving into that next phase of, okay, what is what we're doing right now that we have to be doing versus what are we keeping? And one of those is like really examining how many people we can get into a class responsibly. We have full classes with full wait lists essentially at every single one of our peak times, which is like 6, 7 in the morning and then 2, 3, 3, 4, 30, 5, 30, 6, 30 p.m. Um, we have full classes, full wait lists and all those. And we know that that's not quite sustainable. So it's like we have to take a good deep dive into each location and how many people we can get into a class. Um, and there's just, you know, we're looking at that through a lens that we've never looked at Um as far as creatively using space or corners of the gym or areas that you were thought like no one's ever going to want to work out over there. Right. But they're showing that they're working out in the street. So it's really opened up the square footage and the limitations that maybe we previously thought existed with it. Yeah. And you know, I'm, that's something that I'm really excited about because now when I go into the gym, like I, I just notice things a lot differently than I did. You know, I just notice like, Oh, we could, you know, switch this around and that could be a, a mm -hmm. space for X or, you know, if, if we ever, um, you know, reached our max capacity and still there was demand for a lot more, or, um, you know, maybe we could use that outdoor space at Bay park for, right. um, you know, specialty, you know, whatever Olympic weightlifting classes or muscle classes or, you know, whatever that is personal training. Um, it's just like you start to look at all these things that you previously just, kind of swept under the rug and said, ah, oh, that's not, that's not a good space. Like there's nothing we can do that with that. Um, and so I'm excited for once this all kind of moves back into a little bit more regularity with the COVID stuff, like really starting to explore that space and seeing what we can do with it. Yeah. Like, can you imagine if we can figure out a way to monetize that back lot at Bay park? Yeah. It's like just, those are the type of things that can singularly change like a gym's financials on paper. And, um, I have to imagine that people listening like have those aspects of their of their facility or of their surrounding parking lot that like I, I don't really think there's going to be a point where like okay we go back inside everything's allowed and I don't think ever like if people have been training on the sidewalk on the street in the back alleys for the last nine months I don't think they're ever going to like all of a sudden hate that and so it's like you might there might be a scenario where you know there's a gym that can fit eight people outside right outside their facility and eight people inside. And all of a sudden, like you can double your class capacity where you previously could never fit that many people responsibly inside of a class. Yeah. So like, I'm not saying gyms should do that. I'm just saying the opportunity does exist for you to take that into consideration when you previously would never have thought to do that in a million years. Yeah. And, absolutely. you know, if you can pull that off and you can bump up your, your per class capacity in a way that stays on brand for you, then that's just like a, you got a free ability to increase your revenue in a significant way that was brought on by COVID. Yeah. And I remember our first location back in Mission Beach, like we kind of did some of that because we were so restricted with Definitely. our space that, you know, we had 25, 20 or 25 people classes in, what was it like 12 or 15 or 1800 square feet or it was about 1800 usable square feet. Yeah. Once we got that outdoor lot, right. Or that outdoor space. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it was like, we're, we were at, um, you know, significantly less space back then than we are now but we just and it forced us to be creative with that space so we were able to get um you know bigger classes in just a terribly small space um, and then we moved to obviously bigger locations to where we didn't need to get creative with it and now all of a sudden it's like we're reverting back to being like wow we need to get creative with this again um so yeah i'm, I'm excited with uh taking a look at that stuff moving forward Definitely. And I think in speaking to the, to the Mission Bay point is, you know, certainly helps that the view of being outside was the water <laughs> and not alleyways in PB or OB. Yep. But, you know, we've always seen throughout the course of 10, 11 years in business, we've always seen that, you know, people, people don't come to the gym for the fancy amenities. We've never seen that to be true for our brand. It's like they come to the gym for the experience of how they feel when they're in the gym. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and, we saw that that could be done in non-gym settings from the first day. So it's it's really kind of made me personally unafraid of presenting that again if we need to. Right. Certainly that is not ideal. It is not in our plans. It's not meant to come across that way for people listening. But the opportunity is there if we need it. Like we do know that in our back pocket, 
we do hold the wild card of like we could run an operation that works in classes in, that are both indoor and outdoor in a hybrid manner. Yep. And so like knowing that is just such a nice safety net to be like absolute worst case scenario. Like we, we can do this. And then because you know that you have that worst case scenario planned out, it just makes your planning so much more accurate and so much better because your previous doomsday scenario is now bumped down like three or four pegs of like an even worse scenario that <laughs> you can't even fathom. Right. But it's like, the, the space has just like completely changed the way that at least I have viewed the ability to train people and what they view as a, as a positive experience worth coming back to. Yeah. Thanks COVID. Seriously. I mean, <laughs> it's like uh, never waste a good tragedy they say. And it's like, there's certainly opportunity that, uh, that can come from these. And so uh, anything to add on the created creative usage of space before we do a little quick recap? No, I think we'll have probably more uh, about that specifically in the episode down the line. Excellent. Okay, so doing a quick breakdown, guys. Five things that we plan on keeping and that we suggest you do as well. Smaller class sizes in some capacity, making sure that your environment is one that prioritizes the coach's relationship with the people in the class and not necessarily as many people as you can get into the class. Number two, refined coaching skills. Coaches have been forced to adapt to this in ways that they never thought possible. So really making sure you're doubling down on your coach's development and understanding that you now have people who really want to be with you at this point and making sure that you invest in them. Number three, better service diversification. So making sure that you are going all in on the exploration of other services like personal training, nutrition, remote, or any sort of premium services that you can offer customers. Number four, smaller membership management on the back end, being able to have to manage a little bit less folks so that you can focus more on your time on business development. And then number five, creative usage of space. So just examining your gym through a different lens than previously you never would have. And bonus number six is that Pritz used the word snickle fritz earlier, and I've never heard that word in my entire life. What? You've never heard that word? No, no. Oh my God. You are missing out on life, my friend. <laughs> um, okay. Anything else to add? Nope. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We will see you next time.